Hello and welcome to the 93rd episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Battlefleet Gothic Armada by Tindalos Interactive. And we have a representative of Tindalos Interactive with us, otherwise it wouldn't be much of a show. So please, introduce yourselves. Who are you, and what do you do? Hello, um, I'm Aurélien Joss. Um, I'm the co-founder and creative director at Tindalos Interactive. Thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And you've answered the first question. Very easy. Thank you. Uh, it's, it gets, it starts to ramp up in difficulty later on, but uh, you'll see later. So the second half is how, the well, second question I should say is, how did you make your start making video games? Um, it's a kind of a long story. Um, I start, uh, about 15 years ago. Uh, I started as a graphist. Um, first, uh, I I didn't work in the video game industry. Um, I, I work uh, for um, uh, logo, uh, graphic uh, charts in magazine and stuff stuff like that. And uh, after that, um, uh, I went to a video game school to to become a 3D artist. Uh, after the school. Um, um, I worked in uh, several um, small video game companies and um, I decided uh, after uh, this experience uh, to, to create my, um, my own company because um, uh, I wanted to, uh, to create uh, the game I, I really want to play and uh, really want to develop. So you found that the games were being made were not to your liking too much and you thought well I could actually do better or do different is that a fair thing to say yeah okay okay so what kind of games did you make then um uh, after uh, in my, my first experience yeah um it was a, a mobile game uh, uh, I developed uh, a game like um uh, Open world game, but it was a um, um, kind of um, uh, casual games, you know, um, um, a sort of uh, second life life. Oh, okay. But it was a small company, and uh, I learned a lot uh, when I worked in this kind of small company, and uh, I learned uh, how the video game production uh, is working. So um, after that. I, I think about uh, those experiences, and I, um, I thought that uh, I could make uh, better, you know. Yeah, I get it. So that's a, that's a great way to start. I start. I mean, there's no mean feat to make games on any platform. So so well done for that. But it's an extraordinary thing you've made your change from working in that space to working on the game we're going to talk about in the show, I'm really looking forward to delving into that, but before we do you as a creator yeah. what do you believe is your biggest influences what influences you as a creator do you think uh, I think uh, uh, one of 
my great influences are um, arts in the large uh, in, in the large scale and I know this is, uh, uh, illustrations uh, arts uh, um, for uh, I don't know all kinds of arts I read lots of books uh, science fictions uh, fantasy and I think uh, all the world around us can inspire us and not only um, by the games, but um, uh, all literature or, or stuff like that, you know? Yes, I think that's my favourite answer to that question. Um, <laughs> when I ask a... And it's a thanks for that, I appreciate it, because my response to that really is that basically you said is uh, the universe. I am inspired by the universe we inhabit or we live in. Um, yeah. And that's what you've told me. And also other creators like science fiction and and uh, certainly you've been inspired by 40,000 which I think is one of the craziest universes ever invented oh yeah uh, and um, it, you could go people think that when you're working on a license it's restrictive and in some cases that is true but in the case of 40,000 I think it's more liberating than anything but again we can talk about that later um, okay well thanks for that great now, you said you've worked in the industry for quite some time, so I'm going to ask, what developer do you most admire in the video game industry, and why? Mm, I don't know if it's uh, what I admire, but um, I think a point, a difficult point, is to, um, to manage to lead in the right way uh, the team and the production. And this is a this is a difficult part. And uh, I admire a company that managed to um, to stick to the main idea they they have in the first step of the development. You know. And right. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so you you admire uh, companies that focus on what's supposed to be done. Yeah, but uh, I can admire too, of course, um, uh, very very beautiful uh, graphics in a game. Uh, I know when uh, when I, I play a video game, and um, um, what I see in the screen is amazing. It's, I I can't, I'm obliged to admire this, this stuff. Okay, any any specific examples? Um, uh, I play uh, um, all the Far Cry, uh, Far Cry licenses. Um, was uh, amazing. I, I love um, uh, Deus Ex: Human Revolution. Uh, ah, yeah. Uh, very good yeah. game. I mean, I, I loved the Far Cry games. At least the first half of them. Then the second half, they kind of collapsed. Um, but uh, yeah. especially, especially the first one, but. What do you think of, of Primal? Have you seen that yet? Have you had a chance to play with that yet? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but for now, uh, uh, I have a lot of uh, work to do. But uh, um, I have this chance to, to play a little bit. I love the, the earned part. Yeah. Uh, and I love uh, the, the bow stuff, you know. Uh, yeah. That's what I liked in the, in the precedent uh, game. Okay. Okay. So, my last question in the first half, and you've been, been great, been very uh, revealing all sorts of things about yourself and your career, but uh, 
this isn't really about your career. I just want to ask, it's my favourite question to ask in the first half of this show, as regular listeners will know, uh, because it gives me a hint about what the sort of thing you may be working on next, which it doesn't at all, but I like to think it does. The question is, and I'm kind of legally obliged to ask this because it's a podcast about video games, therefore I have to ask this question. Okay. What, what are you playing right now? Um, like I said before, I don't have the time to play a lot. No. So I try to play a game um, that uh, I can play um, uh, not too long. You know, I, I, I bought Prison um, Architects uh, last week. Okay. Yes. I like the, the this kind of, uh, of video games. Uh, of course, I play a lot uh, at Bad Flip uh, Armada. Of course, of course. Well, my my little brackets here is: Are you say what are you playing right now, other than the game you're working on? <laughs> of course, yeah, because I just like I said, the best creators are the ones who also enjoy the medium itself, and of course you do. Of course you do. Otherwise, you know. But I just like to know. I mean, I've had all sorts of answers to that question. Everything from FIFA to Hearthstone and everything in between. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's great. You know, I just. I, I I like FIFA too. It's not it's not a bad football sim, although I prefer Pez last year. I think that it was a better sports game. Um, but uh, that's that's an aside. Um, so any so any I mean mobile games, any board games you've been playing? Maybe I don't know. Um, no mobile games, but uh, I play a lot uh, board games. Oh, you do? Okay. I yeah, board games, uh, role playing games in uh, pen and paper. You know? Yeah, me too. Me too. Anything yes. particular? Uh, sorry? Any recent games you've played that you want to talk about? Um, not recent. Uh, 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 I, I loved to play uh, Dark Heresy, uh, the pen and paper. Yes, I've never played it, but I really want to. Oh, that's it's, an awesome game. Yeah, because every time I look at it, it's like, I can't find a copy. I, can't, I need to look harder to get a copy of that, because it, you know, the universe screams this needs to have an RPG. And clearly there is one. So I've known about Rogue Trader, but not Dark Heresy. So I, I didn't try a Rogue Trader. Yeah. It's but, uh, um, at the studio, we are uh, a lot of guys uh, are playing a miniatures game. Uh, yes. Like of of course uh, 4K, uh, but uh, also Warhammer Battle. We play to Dust. You uh, we play to 843. You know. Yes. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, of miniature games. Our, our studio is a uh, it's full of miniatures. We, we don't have enough in the space to... <laughs> Interesting. I'm not a big uh, wargaming fan, actually. Um, don't take this against me, but I, um, when, I, when I see a game and someone's got a tape measure out, I, I'm done. I don't have any interest. So I'm, tape measures should be used for measuring curtains and blinds, not, not for playing games. Um, so it's just my little weird neurosis thing. But... Um, I, I I do play um, miniature games provided they have very basic, like the actual board game, like mm. Zombie Side or something like that. That's fine with me. But when it comes to war games, not so much. However, I really, really, really like the Warhammer Forty Thousand Universe. I love the concept of it. Oh, um, I loved I loved the Dawn of War games, for example, by Relic. Yeah. I'm not sure you got inspired by them and their brilliance. Um, and again, we're going to talk about now 
because we're definitely flowing into this now. It's my way of segueing, but unfortunately, I've now described it as a segue, which means it's no longer a segue. But um, anyway, we're now going to go into the second half of the show where we talk about Battlefleet Gothic Armada. So, first question, tell us about Battlefleet Gothic Armada. What uh, is it? Um, this is uh, an RTS. It is um, the space game in the 4K Games Workshop universe. Yeah. Um, we have um, at the release uh, four fiction. We have the Imperium, the Chaos, Orcs and the Eldars. Yeah. Um, um, this is uh, a kind of uh, action RTS, no? Uh, yes. It's a real-time game. It is, yeah. It's a real-time game. Uh, but you, we have, uh, we named it the Tactical Cogitator. This is um, uh, a feature where you can uh, slow down the time, to, to have the time to, uh, to give the right orders to your spaceship, you know? Yes, that's an excellent addition, Matt, um, because it can get a bit frenetic. It can get quite fast and crazy um, during some of these battles, and it's difficult to see what's going on. But just to be clear then, everyone, just so everyone understands, that we're talking about an RTS, real-time strategy game, that's set in the Warhammer 40,000 universe, but for once, and I've never really understood why this has been, but for once, they're finally talking about space battles. We were talking about the great hulking ships that you see in various intros to, 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 to video games or, or, or books or whatever media you could think of about um, Warhammer 40,000. But you never actually see these ships do anything. <laughs> it's so it's just extraordinary. Well, and this is about leading into my first question. So the setting of it of the Battlefleet Gothic Armada is very well known as we've already established. Yet the concept of battles in space, which just blows my mind, um, was really relatively unknown. So I ask you as a developer and a creator, how liberating has it been to explore this unknown aspect of the Warhammer 40,000 universe? Yeah, um, for us it's a uh uh, it's a uh, very uh, a good pleasure to work in this kind of game. That's uh, um, I, I told you uh, before uh, that we are very huge fan of the license. Everybody in the studio are huge fan of uh, 4K and Games Workshop universe. Yes. Um, um, uh, there, there is a lot of 4K uh, games, uh, but uh, in space. Uh, this is the first one. It and is. And yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Sorry to cut through you there, but 
it makes, I mean, that's the whole point. It's in space. <laughs> you never see anyone fight in space. Like, hang I mean, as, as, as amazing as space marines are and all yeah. the orcs and all the, all the, all the uh, creatures, as amazing they are, those ships, especially the Imperial ships, which are floating cathedrals, aren't they, really? You just, it's, I mean, it's the kind of the design, isn't it? They're floating um, churches or cathedrals, aren't, or temples, really, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a, a real pleasure to, to, um, to be a kind of a pioneer in, in this kind of, uh, of stuff again, you know? <laughs> okay. So, um, my next question then um, is so you said the four factions, to be clear. Yeah. It's um, the Space or the Imperial, Space Marines, or the Imperium, the Chaos, who are. And then we have the Orcs, of course, and the Eldar. So they're the four four races you've gone for. The four sort of, so I say, stock races. We'll talk about the others later, but they're the four stock races, if you will. So each set of each each faction has a unique set of attributes and abilities, as with every RTS. So there's always that struggle to make each of these unique yet not overpowered. Um, how have you overcome this with Battlefleet Gothic Armada? Um, in fact, um, regarding the, the balancing yes. game, um, each time we are making a, a feature, uh, we try to balance this, this feature um, uh, now. But um, it's allowing us to, to, to have a, a first step of balancing but it, it can't be perfect. Uh, um, but it, it allows us to, uh, to save time for the general balancing, you know. Uh, um, this is our... This is, uh, we proceed like that. Uh, we, each time we, we create a feature, we try to balance this feature uh, the first time, and uh, the, the work of balancing is uh, easier after that, you know. Okay. So you go through cycles, or you just you just see how it you put a feature in versus one versus the other, and then you just get used to using that feature and realizing that it can be countered, and it doesn't doesn't prevent the other player. It doesn't get to a point where a, a player using or favors a certain faction, which is fine. <laughs> And then they play a certain faction. And they keep on using the same tactic, and they can be stopped. They can't be, you know, over. They can't. They're not overpowered. That's what I'm trying to ascertain. Okay. So okay. So you. Um, so each in in the so next question then is each unit in uh, Battlefleet Gothic Armada uh, can receive upgrades and can be made from various parts. How do you believe you best communicate to the player that what they've created is the best setup uh, for, for an upcoming battle? Um, is it down to experience or is it prior battles? How do you think you feed back this information to the player? In fact, um, there is not a perfect build, you know, because um, uh, we can customize the ships uh, 
a lot uh, in the game. You can add uh, active skills that uh, you will play in the game, uh, and we have uh, uh, six categories of uh, active skill like uh, defense, damage, control, etc. And you also can add uh, upgrades, like, uh, like you said. Yes. Favors, and you can also upgrade the crew. And I think there is no not um, perfect build, but it depends in the in the missions. Uh, because uh, in Battlefield Gothic Armada, uh, we've got several missions uh, like uh, classical cruiser clash, uh, escort, uh, defend or attack space station. You know, and uh, you have to keep, to pick up uh, the best uh, ships for uh, the kind of mission we will play. Uh, so I, I think there is no no perfect beyond, uh, but the the best way to to be the the, the best uh, is to select the perfect ship you upgrade before um, uh, to fit to the um, to the missions. You know. Yes. So you're you're right. I just wanted to explain to the audience that yes, this facility is available, but there's no real hard and fast rule about what's right and what's wrong. It's all, I believe, is to suit the player and how they play the game rather yeah. than fitting one, you know, you, if you get this build wrong, you've already lost. That's a waste of time. You're just trying to give the player options to allow them to play in a style that they find most appealing. Is is that fair? Yeah, yeah. yeah but, uh, I think... Um uh, you know, there, there is a lot of, uh, of skills and upgrades uh, in the in the game, and I think we um, we didn't find yet all the combos you can do with with those skills. And I think players will discover uh, um, a lot of uh, of combos and uh, uh, and how to 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 use uh, the best way uh, the skills. You know. Yes. Yes, that, uh, that's what I found most fun. Uh, that, well, actually, I'm going to confess, I'm, I love blowing stuff up. And when I actually draw, draw a unit in, and then I actually give them a broadside without them realising it, that's my favourite tactic. Um, I love giving broadside attacks on, on other ships, uh, because that's the, the most devastating, of course, when you have those line of cannons um, blasting another ship they don't really survive for very long um, so my last question and this is something that goes back to my own personal experience with um, Homeworld which is a favourite space RTS game and your game um, your Battlefleet Gothic Armada reminds me a lot of that game and that's a compliment uh, I have to say um, so an RTS set in space suggests the possibility of having a vertical axis as well as a horizontal axis uh, with respect to placement and movement of your units. Um, how do you believe Battlefleet Gothic Armada deals with this? Um, in fact, um, we, we make the choice uh, to, to represent the game in a 2D plane. Yes. Uh, for several reasons. Okay. Uh, first one, uh, in the board game, uh, this is a, a 2D plane, and uh, the, in fact, uh, Battlefield Gothic is, is not really 
a spaceship game, but this is a boat game in space. You know? Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, you can uh, you can uh, fire a boarding. Uh, you can uh, abort games. Uh, and in fact, this is a, a boat game like uh, the ancient naval war, uh, uh, Gavin war. You know, but yes. in, in space. Which yeah. is why I like the sorry to interrupt. This is why I like the broadside thing where you just swing your ship around, and they feel very. They can move around. They can zip around uh, reasonably well. But they are quite slow and, and they're difficult to turn. And it, like you say, it feels like um, a old ancient sort of um, uh, sailing sailing ships, of warships uh, of two or three hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah, and, and the, there is a, a second reason for that. Okay. Um, the game is based on uh, maneuvering and positioning. Yes. Um, uh, the the design of the ship. Uh, is not made to, to to be in the street space. You know, this is like a boat, like a war boat. You've got cannon in the side and yes. cannon in the top of the ships. Yes. So in the design, uh, the, the ships are not designed to, to, to be in a street space. You know, uh, they can't fire and, uh, all around them. So I think the, um, the design of the ships is one of uh, the reasons why we are uh, on the 2D plane. Yes, and I just wanted to address that because I found that in Homeworld there is 3D, but ultimately I really, and most people I know who play Homeworld really use that, that, that third axis because you got nothing from it. You know, it was, you couldn't surprise anyone from death from above or death from above, below. It made no difference. In fact, if anything, it made it somewhat more confusing to play. Uh, whereas for you just saying, look, let's just take the, the view that all these ships are going to line up along a single plane and just have at it because that's how they fought yeah. uh, or will fight if, if this nightmare scenario comes to reality. Um, not that I'm saying 40,000 is a nightmare, but if you think about the world that the 40,000 universe is in, you probably won't, would not want to live in it. Um, but um, so that's really what because it is a beautiful it's a really really beautiful game I, I can't praise you enough on the you've really respected the license and the amount of detail on the ships is incredible I would implore anyone to go out there watch the videos and get the game as well because it's out now on Steam I've noticed and it's out on Windows PC is that right? yeah and I've got uh, breaking news for you right now uh, we just announced uh, that uh, uh, we are offer a new uh, faction in the beta. We will okay. open the orcs in the beta um, because uh, for now in the beta uh, there is only Imperium and Chaos. Yes. And we will soon open the orcs in the beta. Oh, brilliant. Uh, I like playing the orcs. One of my favorite board games at the moment is called Forbidden Stars. Do you know that game? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been playing that a lot. Yes. And I'm best at playing the orcs in that game. And the uh, orcs, but the Gothic, excuse me, uh, in yes. the, the orcs have a very different gameplay. Okay. Very on chaos, but I think um, players will uh, appreciate, appreciate that. Yes, I, I I suppose they they ram things a lot. They're good at ramming. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I'm just on factions, and we'll we'll wrap up at this point. And I'm, you know, 
But there's my final question. It's an unofficial one, but you know, you've got the four basic factions. Is there any plans to make any more? Uh, in fact, we've got uh, the, the, the the force first uh, faction. Yes. But, um, we are preparing a space marine faction. Uh, yes. Uh, Auto are we are. Um, in the beta, uh, the early adapter, we have uh, for free the Space Marines. Okay. And we really want to develop all the factions, but for now we are, we are focusing on finishing the game and make the best game we could. Absolutely. This is the. When I get asked about this game, they, one of the first questions I hear people, because I, I told people I was interviewing you, and they said, Oh, ask if they're making one for the Tau. I will ask if they're making one for the Tau. Uh, because the Tau faction is very popular. Yeah. I, had, I had no idea, but people really like them. They're yeah. a very young faction, aren't they? They're relatively new to the universe of Warhammer 40,000. And uh, I'm sure you'd want to. Uh, they would have very interesting ships. Uh, yes. Yeah, but um, I, was, I was expecting someone like, oh, the Tyranids or the... Like, they're interesting, or the gene stealers. Like, that's great. But no, it's always the Tau. People want to know about the Tau. And uh, I, I'm always, when I see 40,000 games, I say, oh, I hope they got something in there for them. Uh, usually they arrive much later, which makes sense because they're a, they're a relatively young race. Yeah. Um, so but it makes sense. But I really want you to have uh, the Tau, the Tyranids, uh, Necrons. Uh, yeah. I, I hope uh, we, we, we have the. Uh, we, we could develop the, 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 those new fiction the feedback I'm getting from people who played the game and seen, seen it being played very very positive and it's deserved um, yes. I can't congratulate you and your team enough for yes. producing such a wonderful game because um, it was not, obviously no mean feat and it's a lovely to see finally finally someone asked the, answer the question that I've always asked what happens out in space because it's not really talked about in 40,000. It's odd. They always talk about the extraordinary land battles they have on these planets uh, to the point where they blow up some of these planets, but they never talk about what happens out in space. And, yes. You yes. Know, so Battlefleet Gothic Armada answers that question, at least tries to. And I think it does a very, very good job of saying, this is what happens, and yet it's even more, even more destructive and chaotic than it's going on in the ground, which mm. makes perfect sense. Um, um, one of my favourite manoeuvres is to ram ships. Ah, this is very, very fun. Yeah, it's it's so much fun because no one's expecting it. You know, like, what are you doing? I'm just ramming you. Well, why? I'm just ramming you. Uh, and uh, that's the least expected manoeuvre because it seems so dumb. Because it seems so stupid, such a stupid and reckless thing to do to potentially damage your own ship for the sake of taking that someone else. Um, but uh, that's why I like doing it. <laughs> well thank you very 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 much for coming on the show really really appreciate it um, I wish you and your team a very very best of luck uh, in uh, producing yet more content for a game that's been very well received and I uh, thank you very much for coming on the show thank you very much and so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory do leave us an iTunes review and you can also don't forget listen to us on stitcher.com so just go to stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there you just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us that'd be great you can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan no apostrophes and uh, if you want to email me 
any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer who listen to this show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com bye